fucking stupid, pure horseshit, the death of horror right here in front of us. I jumped, it scared me. A fucking Facebook killer? You're kidding me, right? I guess now it would be Twitter that make more sense. A bunch of articulate teens sit around and deconstruct horror movies until Ghostface kills them one by one. It's been done to death. The whole self-aware, postmodern meta shit. Stick a fork in 1996 already. I like the stab movies. They're scarier. It's not aliens or zombies or little Asian ghost girls. There's something real about a guy with a knife who just snaps. Hi, and welcome to Bulligan Screen Movie Club, the movie podcast that delves into the world of cinema to find the ultimate bloody good screens. I'm your host, Mark Goddard, and joining me on my journey through film are three film-loving co-hosts. First up, from Groovy Movie Reviews, Please welcome Chloe Davies. Hello. And my next two co-hosts have followed me from a podcast past. Welcome Clive Barker, mega fan, Nar Whitlock. Whoop, whoop. Hello. And the man of a million dad jokes, Marcus Wallace. Evening, ladies. <laughs> I didn't think there was that many dad jokes. I thought you just did the same one over and over again. So that's the yeah, million, it's a million, yeah, but it's a million times, though, isn't it? That's it the certainly feels like it, yeah. You say the same joke, um, like once every three or four jokes, and people forget it, because they're not really listening in the first place. That's so true. You we can just recycle. One. See, I'm really big on recycling, you know, so, you know, save the planet and all. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so as this is our first episode, I want to start off, as I do with all my bloody good uh, reads and bloody good screens episodes, and actually find out what your guys' bloody good screens are. So for me... I have a few horror titles in my mind which have made me a horror fan and I am today. Um, that is Scream 2, which is a film connected to this week's episode. So we're doing Scream 4 this week. Uh, and a film which basically really holds a lot of memories for me through childhood. Haunt Tension or Switchblade Romance, as it's known, um, which is the film that kind of made me a huge fan of French movies and foreign cinema in general. And the film we've covered before, um, the Netflix horror film Hush, which I personally think is a modern masterpiece in classic horror. So I'm going to start off with Chloe first. So for Chloe, as you're a film critic yourself, um, you must have seen so many films of all genre, different genres, which I know you have. Uh, so I'm sure this has been quite a hard pick for you. But what are your three bloody good screens? And I've made you do this with books before, so I've got to do it with films now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, narrowing it down to three was nearly an impossible task. Um, so these aren't definitive, but they're, like, up there. Um, my first one is Evil Dead 2. I've got Old Boy and The Iron Giant as well. Yeah, I, I do like Old Boy. Iron Giant I haven't seen as much, but uh, yeah, Old Boy. We've done this and the guys don't like it. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Wait, what was it? What film? Old Boy. Oh, you yeah, know, The Octopus. It, oh, yeah, it's not terrible, <laughs> but it is my least favourite incest film. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely seen better. Why are you judging it on the incest? <laughs> oh yeah, sorry Marcus. I forgot like, the rule. You no, know, you just said it's like it's not the best incest film I've seen. It's like, well, hang on a minute, where are you going with that? I forgot your review. It Go was on, many of them. <laughs> Marcus's review was I I thought the hammer scene in the corridor got in the way of the incest. That's what you said, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was the uh, his tongue getting cut off because I thought he can't tell me about his experiences. More squid. Eat more squid. <laughs> More squid, yes, that's it. That is exactly it. Now, I'm more interested now, really, by Marcus's choices because I think they're going to be a bit weird now. There, so Marcus, <laughs> <laughs> I have an idea of your picks, and Chloe, by all means, you know, slag him off and his oh, choices. I will. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure, sure you will. 
Uh, so Marcus, I have an idea of your picks, so I'm very shocked and intrigued by your picks. Right. So especially the reasons why. So what are your three bloody good screens? And you had all the films you've ever watched in your life and you've picked these three. What are your three, Marcus? Okay, so I will just say now, there are a lot of very, very good films out there. So I picked the ones that sort of left an imprint on my mind. And I'm sure if you reminded me of other films, I might sit there and go, do you know what, actually, I probably would put that one there. However, what came to my mind, and I thought, do you know what, screw it, I'm sticking to it, is I Sell the Dead, which I thought was hilarious, mainly because all I can think of was The Hobbits uh, from Lord of the Rings. Uh, we got Willy's Wonderland, because that film just describes Nicolas Cage just perfectly, that even, that is a good film, actually. Even the film about Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage, I've not seen yet, but I don't even think that would describe him. That's because it's well not out yet. Well, there you go. See? I'm planning ahead. And mm. I've also put Hell House, which that's more for just the entire series uh, of Hell House, because they're really good films. And the Blair Witch Project is what got me into, well, from you lot, looking at found footage films, but Hell House was the better one out of the lot. I think we had Grave Encounters, Rest in peace, Graham Encounters too, uh, and uh, then, like I said, the Blair Witch Project, and I'm sure there's a few more out there. But Hell House was the good one out the lot. And if I could pick a fourth, which uh, I know I can't, it would be Maniac Farmer, just because you cannot forget <laughs> Blasphemous Rex. You can't. It's the worst film ever, but that's what makes it great. <laughs> and he I would never watch it again. To this uh, podcast, doesn't he? Yeah, I will never yeah, watch yeah. it again. In, in, in the previous oh. podcast, um, just for new new listeners who haven't listened to Snake by a Horrorcast before. It's a film we did as a kind of a side project review. It's awful. Absolutely awful. I'll post a link in the description below. But uh, it's a constant in, in this podcast now. So uh, some interesting choices there, Marcus. Because you could have, could have picked anything. And you're, a, you're a huge Nick, Nicolas Cage fan. And you picked a pretty good film. But he's had, he's had better. Oh, yeah. He's had better. But it's just... Yeah, it's just... It describes him perfectly. It, oh, and also, I've just Googled Maniac Farmer again, and oh my god, this is bringing back awful memories. But yeah, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, anyone out there, just just look at it. It's <laughs> I love the skeleton man at the end. That's my favorite bit. <laughs> and finally, Niall, you're a man who's not really a, a main horror staple guy. Um, but I know you pretty would have chosen Craven Counters like five million times if you could. Mm, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, I'm thinking more of a classics man. So, what are your three political roots? Thank you. Sorry, fuck it. Sorry, wrong one. Wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, the spot the, books uh, are really good, uh, especially yeah. like the illustrations in those. Especially the Mister Men books as well. Uh, yeah, so, sorry. <clears throat> so, what are your bloody good screens that you brought along? Well, I think I got the wrong end of the stick here because I, I thought you might make us watch them. So I just <laughs> I, I picked films that I really like and that just happens mm. to be... I'm, I'm a big Wes Anderson fan. So <laughs> I just picked three of his films. Um, but I am going to lose one of those because I've had a rethink. And um, mm. So my first favourite film is Grand Budapest Hotel. That thing is... It's a great film. Faultless. It's just filmed amazing. I love all the characters. It's just so good. That's just my go-to film. Um, and then I picked Isle of Dogs as well, because that's also brilliant. It's a beautiful film as well. They're so well animated as well. Mm. Oh, just work of art. Now, I was going to say a third one as well. Fantastic Mr. Fox. But 
changed my mind, and I'm gonna go with a horror one. Okay. And I'm gonna say Tigers Aren't Afraid because you know I'm obsessed with that film because it's so good, and you should all see it. I wasn't a major fan of it, but I know you guys really loved it when we reviewed it before. So, no, good choice. I'm surprised you picked it. I would have thought you'd pick um, Hell House. Well, I actually wrote Hell House, but I couldn't pick between the three Mm. because I actually. Do you know what? I know we joke about it being cheesy and stuff, but if I had to pick, you know, films to watch, like to take away from the podcast, I would pick Hell House 1, 2, and 3 because I think they were the biggest surprise. Mm. And I I think I'll always go back to watching those because they're just so cheesy and good. They're they're very good fan footage. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of fan footage and I really enjoy those films. I put them up there with stuff like Blair Witch. So, no, no, good, great choices. Great choices. All of you have picked some good choices there. Marcus is a little bit, you know, I saw the dead with shit, but, you know. No, yeah, I didn't like it either. Can you I just pick also... that one? Because it's got Mary in it. I, no, maybe. But... <laughs> Can I also just add, um, I feel like I also got the wrong end. I thought you meant it had to be a horror film. Otherwise, Muppet Christmas Carol would easily be the top one. Oh, I didn't even think of Muppet's Christmas Carol. I feel like a fool. I've we... told you the brief. If you didn't read it properly, that's your own fault. I'm colorblind. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I would like to change my choice. Um, I want to go with Avatar for all three. <laughs> Is this the James Cameron one? Uh, no. Okay. Well, Deerbender. Oh right. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, so this week's film that we have picked uh, sees us going back to Woodsboro. So to celebrate the release of the fifth entry to the franchise and having already reviewed the first three films in the previous podcast that we used to do, we thought it'd be a good thing to look back and go to Scream 4. And we haven't done Scream 4 in this podcast before. Uh, I'm assuming it's your guys' first time watching it this time around. Yeah. But first, before we go into it, starting with Chloe, what are your thoughts of the series 1 to 3 before we get into 4? What, what was your overall thought of the series and how did you think it kind of runs? So, I mean, I love them all, and I think there's not a single bad entry into this franchise, which is impressive. Um, I know everyone kind of shits on three, but I think it's kind of diff- it. It dared to be a bit different. It's kind of um, kind of wacky. Has some great people in it. Um, it's kind of camp, and I love that about it. Um, so yeah, um, it can get kind of messy at times, but it's I kind of love that about it. Um, yeah, so we get. Even in the third one, we get, like, I feel like every film has, like, a really great scene in it. Like, Mm. kind of pinpoint a really effective scene. Like, even in the third one, you have, like, the house set chase and things like that. And obviously, all the openings are great. Um, Every time, it just kind of is awesome. I think it's also really accessible in terms of, like, you you can give these films to someone who doesn't like horror. And they can probably quite enjoy it, probably because of its self-reflective nature. Um, mm. Kind of makes it an easier watch, and because it's kind of aware of itself, it kind of feels a bit more removed from reality. Um, so, like, even my mum has enjoyed these films. So, and she hates horror. <laughs> um, this is these films are how I got my sister into horror. So, I think it's a really nice gateway film. No, I agree, agree. I mean, three isn't awful. It's just not as good as the other ones. But as as a whole, it's not a bad film. The killer reveal is not great, but just to general lead up to that, perfect films. All, all three of them for me as well. Um, no, you've uh, reviewed this with me on this podcast before. Yeah. What is your overall thought of the series so far? I like Scream. It's good. Um, yeah, I agree with Chloe. I think anybody can 
watch these films. I think everybody pretty much has, to be honest. Because um, it's wacky. It's like just one. It's like a milder. No, sorry. Scary Movie is like a one step milder version of Scream. They're sort of both quite, you know, wacky, almost borderline mm. comedy. They try. Um, I have an issue with this series, right? Because mm. I was trying to work out. I, I, I'm definitely missing one of these films in my memory. Mm. So I remember the one with Shaggy in it. That's number one. Stu. Yeah. Um, and I remember the one where it turns out. Does it turn out to be the bloke? Or <laughs> brother. the bloke's mum? Yeah, it ends up being Billy Loomis's mum in the second one. So which is the... Th- it must be the third one, I can't remember then. What happens in the That's third the one? That's the brother. The third one is, like, set in Hollywood. It's on the set of the, of the, uh, of the Stab movies. It's the brother who's the killer in the end. Have I definitely seen that? You, we, we watched it. I <laughs> we watched it. I have zero memory of that one, so obviously <laughs> that one was bad. Well, maybe. <laughs> I think you put it as an unbinnable, actually, no? No, I couldn't have done. <laughs> I remember all two unbinnables that I've ever done. <laughs> Hellraiser 2. One of mine. <laughs> Classic. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I honestly two. don't remember that one at all. Um, but yeah, the first two were really good. <laughs> <laughs> And how about you, Marcus? Your overall thoughts of the uh, series so far? The series so far, I, I, I mean, I agree with Chloe. Really, they're really good gateway films. There, they're not too much uh, to the point where you have to sort of have a certain taste, but they're also not too uh, mundane, uh, so they're boring. Mm. Uh, they have a, a nice sort of balance of uh, an overview of what uh, sort of a a horror film can be, but it also has just a hint of comedy. Uh, the one thing I like about the screen films is that they sort of accept that it's a, like they've just got a cliche of you know what's going to happen and they just roll with it and they just make fun of themselves rather mm-hmm. than trying to make it look good and it just going horribly wrong. Uh, pretty much most films we've watched. It's like in this one, which I'm sure we're about to discuss in more depth, uh, they they almost make fun of the stereotypes. It's like, oh, you think this is going to happen? Wrong, this happens. It's like they know you're going to try and point it out anyway, so they just make it work in their film. It's mm. nice. Which, which is what the screen kind of films are about. I mean, the first three are, you know, they take, they're basically satirizing, satirizing? They're satirizing slasher movies, then they're doing sequels, and they're doing trilogies. And this one is more because you're kind of looking at the remakes and the rules of remakes and taking the piss out of remakes, especially there's a scene, we'll go into it later, but with uh, Riley and she goes through um, all the different sequels and she thinks she's won the, uh, <laughs> she's won the phone call because she does every single remake that they've done. Um, so they, they know, they definitely know what they're doing. And Wes Craven was an amazing mind for this. Um, but yeah, personally, I love the series. We all know this. <laughs> Scream Scream 2 is in my top three. So, um, I'm definitely a huge fan of this series. And this one's actually higher up on my list this time watching it through. Must be like my fourth, fifth time watching this film. But we'll get back to we'll get to that when we kind of go to a closing subject. But here we go. Let's go into our first film here on the film club. And we're doing Scream 4. Is this Trevor? Do I sound like a Trevor to you? Think of me as your director. You're in my movie. You got a fun part, so don't blow it. What movie? Same one Marnie's in. Only her part got cut way back. 
But you, you're the dumb blonde with the big tits. We'll have some fun with you before you die. I have a 4.0 GPA and 135 IQ, asshole. What did you do with Marnie? She's on the cutting room floor. That's not funny. This isn't a comedy. It's a horror film. People live, people die. And you better start running. So the fart, so... We finally head back to Woodsboro in this movie, where a new crop of teens are being picked off one by one in a twisted attempt to re- uh, remaking the events of the original Stab movie, uh, and obviously the events of the original Scream film. So Sidney Prescott just happens to roll into town at the same time, and into yet another bloody ca- game of cat and mouse, and doing Gallagher also, too. They are the uh, only real survivors that seem to go through all these bloody movies. To start with, just to warn you guys, this podcast is going to be a spoiler-filled podcast. We'll be talking about the plot and the reveal of the killer as well. So if you haven't seen Scream 4 or any of the films we've been covering in the series, do go back and go back and watch it. Pause us, come back later once you've watched it and get involved in the conversation. So I need to ask you guys your thoughts on the opening first, though. I love the opening. Really, really personally, I love, love it. I kind of really like the dig at you know, the state of remakes and especially the comments about stabbing space, which I know Chloe will also probably appreciate after our run through of Leprechaun back in the day. But um, Chloe, what's your thoughts on, on the intro this time? I love it. I remember seeing it for the first time and just being like, what the fuck? This is another level of meta. Like, they, you kind of know, like, they're going for it hard in this movie. Um, and I think the opening shows that really well. Um, and the fact that they use all these like actors who are like famous in the two thousands as well is kind of great. Um, it's just kind of nice to see them back and have a little role in it. Um, mm-hmm. And it just feels like you like when you're first watching, it especially, and actually this time as well, having not seen it in a while, I was like, wait, which one's the real beginning again? <laughs> it's like I can't remember anymore. Um, yeah, I really enjoy it. Cool. It is a it's again. How can you not have a bad, how can you have a bad opening for Scream? Um, Doesn't exist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Niall, what about your thoughts on the opening this time around? Oh no. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Again, remember that these films are satirizing the genre as well. Yeah, but so. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Just because you point at something and laugh, it doesn't make it funny. <laughs> Especially if you point and laugh at it eight times, it just gets less funny. I've, I've written down in my notes that we could have done without the beginning. I feel like it's done that before as well, mm. um, to the point where I'm expecting Screen 5 to literally just be two hours of openings um, <laughs> with some stabbing at the end, maybe for about 10 minutes, and then it'll end. Um, then another stab just to you know throw you off. Yeah, post-credit scene with one <laughs> stab in it. Um, I, didn't, I didn't, you know... It's enjoyable. I like the bit where Veronica Mars stabbed a girl out of nowhere. That was good. <laughs> that should have actually been the film because that was actually better than the, the actual opening of the film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought it, it was a bit pandery for me. It wasn't very subtle. It was just, you know, laugh at this. <laughs> mm. Okay. Okay. How about you, Marcus? What are your uh, thoughts on this opening? Um... Yeah, I like I, I get what Nile's saying. It, it's almost lazy in one aspect where it's basically it's it, like I said earlier. It knows what the stereotypes are, so it's pretty much like, look here you go. We know you're gonna guess this anyway. You're gonna sat there think you be sat there thinking, oh, I know what's gonna happen next. So we're just gonna make it obvious one way or the other, just so you have something to look at. 
but then the plot twist is oh it's actually the film inside the film and then they mention a film in the film and it's almost like they know their own jokes i find this is one of those films now where they know their um their status that they have and they definitely use that because mm. if you didn't know what the okay. screen films were and you watched this one for the first time this might confuse you a little bit so they're almost reliant mm. on people already know what they are yeah because otherwise this does come off a little bit wanky because it's like oh we started this <laughs> yeah but you didn't <laughs> not really though hmm line drawn very very much in the middle here as well because yeah. you know yeah. I, I'm again huge fan of the intro I'm huge fan of the intro you guys as always shock me <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> okay let's just go into to, to the general movie and your kind of thoughts on it as, as a whole like, bits you liked bits you didn't like um, characters in general we won't do the killer reveal yet but overall then as, as, as the film went on and you know we do get the reveal. What are your overall thoughts? So, Chloe, what's your overall thoughts? I really like the new characters they introduced in this. I mean, Kirby has become a fan favourite and it's a favourite of mm. mine. Love her. Um, and Deputy Hicks as well. Like, I feel every time I watch this film, I love her more. And I really like what they um, did with her in Scream 5 as well. I just feel like the more time I spend with these movies, the more I like her. Um, I like that this is it's frustrating actually that this is like so ahead of its time like if you think about how this film was 11 years after the film before it was kind of an early example of a legacy sequel which we're seeing a lot of now but that didn't really exist at the time we were seeing a lot of sequels but not things like this and apparently it didn't do very well and that's kind of sad <laughs> you know it's you know once again was craven being ahead of the game and it just didn't work out this time um but yeah, I think it, it worked out really well with the... It's become more and more relevant um, with the commentary of social media obsession and things like that. And I mm. like that the story very much follows similar beats to the first film. It is, like they say, kind of like a remake, reboot thing. Mm. Um, but it does kind of use those expectations against you and kind of flips the final girl trope on its head um, with the killer reveal. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I mean, I think this one's a much more brutal than the other three. Yeah. Um, I think they've gone a lot more kind of heavy on the on the on the action with Ghostface, and you don't have as much. I'm a Sydney Prescott. I'm a victim in this one as you did in say number three. I would like to have seen a bit more of Gail because I think Gail was a huge part of three, and I mean, though she does have quite a biggish part in this one, do do don't have the same kind of Kind of this is about Gale kind of film to this film as the previous ones. Niall, what's your overall thoughts on it? So ignoring the intro, mm -hmm. um, what's your overall thoughts on this one? Um, I did like it. I like the idea of the whole full circle thing um, mm. being linked with the first one. But again, that did annoy me because like, I, I knew that. I'd noticed in it, like the house had looked the same. You know, all the parts are, you know, it's from the first one, essentially. And the guy did sort of explain it in the film class, but then they just kept explaining it. And I was like, look, <laughs> we get it. <laughs> Move on. Like, just let us sort of, you know, see it ourselves. But mm. I just felt handheld the entire time. Um, but yeah, I did enjoy it. I, uh, Yeah, the, the baddie reveal was pretty good. 
Um, it was obvious it wasn't the boyfriend. No, they don't, don't, don't push in too much on that. Although they never explained the phone thing, because they Sydney get not Sydney, what's her face gets rung from her ex boyfriend's phone, which is it his phone though? He lost his phone, but it came up as his name. But then he said, yeah, he but, lost we, his but phone. then all you got to do is uh, change somebody's name on your phone. Yeah, but then why did he say that he lost his phone? Uh, and then he lied what? about losing his phone because it turned out he hadn't lost his phone. He got a new one. A Did he though? Well, you said he got a new one. Yeah, but yours. Oh, I'm so confused. It <laughs> feels like a plot hole for me. <laughs> Who rang her? Who rang her? Um, yeah, it was good. It's not my favourite though. I don't think it's as good as the first or second one. Okay. Okay. Cool, cool. Marcus, go on. What are your thoughts on this one? Overall. Uh, as an overall, uh, like, don't get me wrong, I do really like this film. I would gladly sit there and watch it again. Um, but I do have to sort of agree with Niall on some bits in the sense of the handhelding part. Because it is basically the same idea as they've done with the other screen films, it almost feels like, a, like they're taking on a history walk of, look, this is what we are. Uh, like I said earlier, they're very aware of their status uh, with the other films. They know that fans love them. And it's almost like they're a little bit reliant on that for people to get what they're trying to do here. Uh, so for us, you know, we spot these things and think, oh, yeah, no, they're doing that from the last one. Yeah, this makes sense. It's great. But for someone completely new watching it, they might miss a lot of it or get confused. Um, and the whole handhelding part, I think, is probably to combat that. So it just doesn't quite mix there. Mm-hmm. Uh it's, it is a good film, and I, again, a killer review, a review at the end w- was brilliant. I didn't expect that, to be honest. Uh, I, mm. I expected it to, to not be the boyfriend. That, Like you said, I was pushing out too hard. I did wonder if it was going to be Hicks at one point, because I was thinking, hang she on. She was creepy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was very creepy, but I'm just thinking she's a bit of a loon. and A very lovely loon, but a, a bit of a loon. Mm. Uh, okay. So the reveal was nice, but other than that, it is the same kind of story. Okay, let's let's get into the reveal then. So, who was you guys expecting it to be? Uh, of all all the cast of characters, who would you have picked before you find out that obviously her cousin is together? Uh, Chloe, who, 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 who would you on the first run? Would you have thought it might have been? I really wasn't sure because I thought it could have been anyone. Like like you said, it could have been Hicks, but it was she had that specific moment where she's kind of creeping in the shadows, and I'm like, this is too obvious, you know. Um, mm. So it feels like they're always throwing you off of things like that, and it could literally be anyone. Um, so I really wasn't sure, but um, yeah, I didn't expect you at all. Oh, you know. Well, I knew it was going to be two people because mm. they made that very clear, like from the classroom scene. Mm. Um, There's always two people. Always two people. Yeah, Except but three. to be honest, I thought it was going to be the long haired girl and the. No, long haired boy, sorry. <laughs> And um, the short blonde haired girl, Kirby. Okay. I thought, that yeah, would Kirby... Be, I thought that would be the most twisty version. And then they'd explain then, like then... she was like her lost aunt or something. But I think Kirby's this film's Randy, though, in a way. Yeah. They're pointing to obviously the long haired guy. I forget, I forget names. I'm awful with names. I do apologize. But um, Charlie. I don't think Kirby's character is really going to be your. Is going to be yes, sir. It's going to be your Randy. But they do put them. So yeah, I never really thought she would be. Um, I was pointing more towards 
possibly one of the original cast members. Mm. Possibly maybe Gail. Um, mainly because I think because she did the whole struggling to write a book thing. Hicks, Hicks obviously was a mega kind of red herring. You know she wasn't going to be the killer. But it had to be one of the film guys. Even if it was both the film guys, it would have probably been quite a good choice. It would have been a very um, Bill and Stu, but also a little bit of a nod to Scream 2 for me. But um, what about you, Marcus? Um, sorry, re- repeat the what you're actually asking me. <laughs> what might yeah. you know the kid, the killer reveal. What, what, who, who did you who did you think would have been the killers in this one? Oh, sorry, yeah, no, it's because I was listening to your explanation. I was like, hang on a minute, was there a different question there? No, sorry, yeah, no, no, same question. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, killer reveal, yeah, I, I would have guessed Hicks uh, before, but then there were little hints throughout it afterwards that just made me think, wait, hang on, maybe it's not. So similar to what Chloe said, in the sense of it could have been anyone really. Uh, but yeah, if I would have guessed, it would have been Hicks. End of the film. Do you think it kind of ended the way it should have? I personally think maybe they should have not added the hospital scene myself, but um, I think just leave it as it was, keep it a bit more open. What about you guys? He wants to start first. Well, they had to do something there because either Sydney died and they weren't going to do that uh, <laughs> tradition. Mm. Um, that's Yeah, that's pretty much the only other outcome that you could end that with true because unless you like went into a coma or something i don't know and then that could have led into five um yeah but i'm guessing this was because of the sort of linking in with the first one i'm guessing this was meant to be the last film ever in the series i guess i believe at the time but obviously now the whole kind of rebooting everything Going back to the originals, it seems to be a thing more nowadays, especially with Halloween and kind of films like that. So, yeah, I think this would have been quite a nice little nail in the, in the especially with Wes Craven passing away as well a little bit after this mm. and not being able to do Scream 5. It, it was a lot of kind of, I'm an R in, should they do it or should they not do it? But, um, but then yeah. again, if you wanted to end a series, you should have just killed Sydney. Yes, I mean, that's why if they didn't have the hospital scene, it would have been such a great ending. Yeah. Well, now yeah. I'm conflicted. <laughs> there you go. So, starting with Chloe, would you call this a very good screen, or would this be something you wouldn't really kind of go back to? So, Chloe, is, it, is this, this going to be a very good screen to you? Of course it is. <laughs> I've watched it so many times <laughs> already. <laughs> yes, I would definitely call it a very good screen. I would also call it a very bloody good screen. It's actually one of my favourites now. Kind of looking at it through, kind of watching all the series back again, it's going to be two, four, one, three for me. I haven't seen five yet. By the time this podcast comes out, I would have seen five by this point. Um, And we will probably cover this at some point as well. Um, But generally, it is two, four, one, three for me. So it's definitely a bloody good read. But I can read, fuck it. A bloody good screen. From fucking podcast. Uh, no, what about you? Is this a bloody good screen to you? Sorry, Chloe. This is going uh, in the generic screen pile. Get out of here. <laughs> With number three. Um, oh, one and two are good. <clears throat> so I was... Oh, God, be so different. Yeah. <laughs> you and your opinion. I'm you have outrage and that's it. <laughs> no more opinions for you. No, I... I, I just don't think it brought anything new to the table. 
really. It just literally copied itself and literally told us that it was doing it. (laughs) And Marcus, I'm assuming you're going to be pretty much the same. Uh, Well, I was going to be the same as yourself, Mark, but now Nile said that, that does raise a very good point. It pretty much was copying itself. Easily um, swayed. <laughs> well, the man speaks sense. Uh, that and cheers for the twenty now. I'll put that to good use. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I would, I would say it's um, it is a bloody good screen. Uh, it's a good film, uh, even though yeah, like Nile says, it has pretty much copied the same thing. It's still a good film, <laughs> and that's basically it. Okay, so that was our chat on screen four. So uh, again, thank you for listening to the podcast. So next week we'll be talking a different genre for a change. We're normally horror-based. We have always been horror-based, but the wonder of this podcast is we can go to any genre we want nowadays. So we'll be heading to 1997 to discuss a very manly film full of a lot of manliness and sexy hair as we chat Con <laughs> Air. <laughs> oh, my God, that was tortured. <laughs> I love it. Do you mean Con Hair? Yes, Con Hair indeed. Uh, <clears throat> But before we go, I need to give a massive shout out to our amazing sponsor, Bondable Book Club. They are the book subscription service that bring you the wonders of a haunted bookshop right to your door every month. They have two amazing boxes. You have the Bare Bones, which is a brand new book, a possibly second, uh, a possibly haunted second-hand book, and a brilliant magazine. Or you can go for the Full Guts box, where you get the books, the magazine, a selection of goodies, including drinks, UK snacks, and another surprise gift. And I highly recommend checking them out. They've been a massive sponsor to us at Bloody Good Reads and for Bloody Good Screen for a long, long time now. And if you use the code Bloody Good Reads, you can get 10% off your first box. As always, I have been your host, Mark Goddard. Uh, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Chloe. Bye. Goodbye from Nar. Laters. And goodbye from Marcus. Toodles. So, uh, what's the surprise in the uh, book box? Do you know?